Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Michael Foley, and this is Inspire, Empower, and Enable, Life Lessons from the Dojo. Inspire, Empower, and Enable, Life Lessons from the Dojo is sponsored by the Center for Humane Living in Phoenix, Arizona, which has as its vision to inspire all people to live peaceful and compassionate lives. My goal is to incorporate ancient wisdom acquired from a lifelong study of martial arts, formal business leadership and coaching training, and my life experiences as a maternal fetal medicine physician, husband, and father of three to explore strategies for living a happy and fulfilled life. My approach is to use eclectic storytelling to help with the discovery of universal truths that may be applicable to your life. Don't believe anything I say, however. Seek to discover it all for yourself. Let's get started with today's topic. Today's lesson is lessons from our children, wisdom from the little dragons. In our martial arts school, we have uh, many ages that we teach. We teach people all the way up in their 80s, and we have a class that's specifically for three, four, and five-year-olds, and this class is called our little dragon class. It is one of the more challenging but most fun classes that we teach. And uh, parents bring their little ones in and they're all dressed up in their beautiful little matching bows in their hair with the color belt they have. And mom and dad are always so proud. And there's so many lessons that we can learn from the genuine great nature of our children. And they say it as it is. And it's just really amazing and fun to teach them. I remember one class in particular where at this school we had our uh, observation area that had an open door so you could look through glass and see your kids with the instructor on the floor. And this one particular class I taught was a little dragon class and there were many little dragons and they're only ranging from three to five years old. They would all come in and we'd get everybody's attention. We'd ring the bell and we'd bow in and everybody would sit down, crisscross applesauce we call it, and they would go through breathing techniques to kind of get themselves kind of prepared for class. Now, in reality, when we teach three, four, and five-year-olds, the attention span is really, really limited. So we teach a little bit, and we play a game. And then we teach a little bit, and we play a game. And the kids really love that. And we have to be really smart and strategic in how we bring about the more important points so they're ready to listen. In this one particular class... I opened up the doors so the parents could hear, and I said, moms and dads, let's see what wisdom that the little dragons will bring to you today. There are so many lessons that we can hear from our children. Let's see what happens today. And I go back into the class and I say, all right, everybody. So Dr. Foley wants to play a game today. Everybody want to play? Oh, yes. Everybody's raising their hand and clapping and screaming. Yeah, we want to play a game. Okay, here's the game. And here's what I said. Okay, everybody. Dr. Foley's going to say something to everyone, and all you have to do is decide, was it something nice or was it something mean? Everybody want to play? Oh, in unison, they're all cheering. Yes, we want to play. So I go up to this cutest little yellow belt. Her name is Mary, and she's sitting in the front row. And I stand over her. I put my hands on my hips. And then I take my right finger and I start pointing at her and I scream at her in a really rough voice. Mary, you are absolutely the best karate student I've ever trained in this dojo. And with this, little Mary jumps up, 
visibly upset, runs out into the waiting room and jumps into the waiting arms of moms and dads. Everybody's looking at me quite alarmed. What have you done, Dr. Foley? Why are you yelling at the children? And I go back out and I scoop up little Mary and I say, Dr. Foley's just playing a game, Mary. Hey, tell everybody what I said. Was it nice or was it mean? And everyone in unison said, Dr. Foley, you were mean, mean. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. All right, one more time. Let's play it one more time. Everybody want to play. Yes, Dr. Foley, but don't be so mean this time. So I go up to little Tommy in the front row and I kneel cautiously by his side and I put my hand on the top of his hand and I say, Tommy, you're absolutely the worst karate student I've ever had and I don't understand why it is that your mommy and daddy bring you here because you have absolutely no talent. <laughs> and of course, these words are meant uh, to be interpreted in a certain way. So what did Tommy interpret these words as? Everyone, is this nice or mean? Everyone in unison says, nice. And little Tommy is greening from ear to ear and happy. And I said, oh, Dr. Foley's just playing and all this is just a game. But it really told us something really special here. Now, of course, I encouraged all the children and told them how wonderful they were and how much fun it was playing the game. But the real message came to the parents. Because with little Mary, I told her she was the, absolutely the best karate student I've ever had. And I did it with pointing my finger at her in a rough voice and kind of raising the tone of my voice and hovering above her with a contextual type of communication that was interpreted by little Mary as very aggressive and mean. Whereas little Tommy, I knelt by his side. I used a calm, soothing, almost a sing-songy voice with Tommy. And I had a smile on my face. And I said something that was actually quite mean. And Tommy heard only the contextual communication. And it was nice in their interpretation. So what have our little dragons taught us? What are the lessons that our children with their purity and their genuineness communicate to us? Well, it's pretty clear that what we say is far, far less important than how we say it. We would look at that as the content of what our words represented was overshadowed by the context of how we said it. Certainly in our world in medicine, it's so, so important to speak to patients in a way that they understand and trust you by how you say things, because oftentimes the language we use is foreign and difficult to understand as a content only. So there's old adage that we all live by is that our patients really don't care what you know until they know that you care. And that's how we build trust. As with any relationship that we have out there, are we doing our best to truly align the content and the context in a way that communicates exactly what we mean? We have this other problem where 
we're often racing to go do something, our hands on the doorknob, and we're telling people we love them as we leave. What is the context there? We're not really engaging with them. We're not looking them in the eye. We're not being there in a way that the context and the content are aligned. It's so, so important to have that engagement with all of our relationships. And how great would it be if we begin to recognize that our body language, our tone of voice, the approach that we use with the context of the communication greatly outweighs what we're expecting to communicate compared to what the content is of what we're saying. Now, that brings to mind a lot of the new electronic means that we communicate, correct? We use texts, we use cell phones and messaging and emails. Boy, um, our life has turned into one of convenience. It's really easy to text a really important message to someone. But as you know that what we're really doing is typing words. And by typing words, we're just simply communicating content. And I think that's probably why we invented the emojicons or the emojis that we use that kind of bring some sort of context. We'd have a smiley face or just kidding or LOL or to kind of lighten it up a little bit so that people wouldn't read between the lines. Because when people read between the lines, we only invent three narratives, really. When you don't have all the information and you have to bring some sort of context to a communication that's only written by email or text, we fill it in. And when we fill it in with one of three narratives, one is, they're the villain. I'm the victim. And I'm helpless. We really need to be ready to add context by meeting with people face to face, at least using our voice so they can hear the intonations, so we can add the context to keep people from filling in those negative narratives. Because I'm sure everyone has experienced this by writing an email and getting an unusual response back that you really didn't intend. That's because we can't do our best to add that context to the communication. So when you have something really important, something emotionally in charge, and something that's more than just what time to meet at the restaurant, you really ought to try to do that with as much context as you possibly can. See the person face-to-face, look them in the eye, and communicate in a way that allows them to truly understand the intent behind what you're saying. Our little dragons have given us a really important lesson here is that it doesn't really matter so much as what we're saying as how we say it. So we really need to be cautious. We need to watch out for this electronic means of communication that has often absence of context. And we need to bring back the human touch. We need to bring back the ability to develop relationships through direct reciprocal communication in a contextual manner. So we really have learned some wisdom from our little dragons. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our podcast, Inspire, Empower, and Enable, Life Lessons from the Dojo. Our vision is to inspire all people to live peaceful and compassionate lives. I hope this helps, and I hope this causes you to have a little bit of thinking that might improve the ability to live a life that is fulfilled, happy, and harmonious. If you like our content, go ahead and hit subscribe so future podcasts can be sent your direction. 